Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome in and welcome back to the 60 Feet 6 Inches LSU podcast. As always, thank you all for joining me. In this episode, I will briefly recap the Nickel State game, but stay tuned as I am joined by a special guest to help me break down another top 10 SEC showdown this weekend as LSU travels to Columbia, South Carolina to face the Gamecocks. I will also give you my three keys to the weekend, who makes the get right, stay right list, and then finally, my series prediction. As always, you can find the 60 Feet 6 Inches LSU podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, and other major audio platforms. Make sure to check out the YouTube channel for all the content. Subscribe to that channel. Drop me any comments that you would like. And also hit that notifications bell and subscribe to the Twitter channel. For those that don't know, the Twitter channel is at 60FT6INLSUPod. If you missed the last episode, you missed a live stream as they went live with Stephen Miller and then Palmer from ESPN Radio 104.5 here in Baton Rouge. As we discussed the LSU versus Tennessee series, as the Tigers took two out of three in Baton Rouge from the Vols. As always, that podcast is linked on the Twitter account in either podcast or YouTube versions. So let's get right into it. LSU defeats Nichols tonight, 12 to 2. And my biggest question going into this game is who would start this game? Would it be Christian Little? Or would you see Thatcher Hurd get a chance to start, get a couple innings under his, his belt, and move on to South Carolina? Well, Christian Little started this game, and I thought he threw well. He K'd the side in the first inning. But then in the second inning, he gives up a two-out walk with a stolen base, and then a single scores the run. But all in all, Christian Little did well. He came in, he did his job, and he should be raring to go for this weekend. Will we see him start? Who knows? But I think it's probably a uh, better than 50% chance we see Little start the third game against South Carolina. Following Little, it was a litany of pitchers. You saw Helmers came in. He threw one inning with two Ks, so it's good to see him get out there and get some mound time. Then Gavin Gidry came in and worked out of a jam. Well, he was put in with runners on base. He got out of that jam with a strikeout, and then he gets three Ks on the night for himself. Then you saw Thatcher Hurd came in, and he worked all out of the stretch, even when nobody was on base. And you saw him for the first time that I can remember really featuring a over-the-top over curveball. And he threw a lot of all-speed pitches tonight. But it was a good outing, I guess. You know, we'll just take some positives from it. And if you're hurt, I think you just got to build upon this outing. He gave up two tough luck singles, one on a changeup and one on a slider. They're both good pitches. Then a walk and a sacrifice fly to give up a run. And then with bases loaded, he gets a strikeout. So all in all, if that's your hurt, he did fine. Just got to build on that, uh, continue to fix whatever – Mechanical issues may be going on, and just draw a lot of confidence from that outing. After that, you saw Bryce Collins, and he looks like he's slowly turning the corner to get back into his 2022 form, which the Tigers desperately need moving forward as they hit the meat of the SEC schedule. Collins threw well with one-plus innings pitched and uh, two Ks for him on the night. Then you saw freshman Micah Bucknam come in, and you see him kind of come in late during midweek games, and I think he has a really bright future ahead of himself as he throws two-thirds of an innings with two Ks. Now, when you look at the hitters, it took them a little while to get going, but once they got going, Nickel State pitching staff had no chance. Gavin Dugas went off as he went three for three with a double, a single, and then a triple as he missed a home run by two feet, and he had three RBIs on the night. And then you saw Tommy Tanks get into it as Tanks hits two massive bombs with five RBIs on the night and not to be outdone. Jared Bear Jones hits a massive ball off the scoreboard as he hits a home run on the night as well. 
Malazzo got the start, which is no surprise since Neil caught all three games this weekend. Kling got the start. And unfortunately, we saw the end to Dylan Cruz's 26-game hitting streak. But all in all, LSU did what they were supposed to do. They win another midweek game via the 10-run rule as they put away the Colonels 12-2. to Now, one thing that did come out after the game, that Leah Van, who is the beat writer for The Advocate, that Leah Van shared on her Twitter account is that Jay Johnson stated that Chase Shores will not pitch this weekend. He is undergoing a medical evaluation. And I will not speculate out of respect for that young man and his family and out of respect for Jay Johnson and the program. So we will just leave it at that. Hopefully Chase Shores is okay. But if it's worst case scenario, that means more guys have to step up in the pen, specifically Little and Hurd. Collins has to keep performing. Griffin Herring, I'm sure, is going to take on a bigger role now. And then what's going to happen with Gavin Guidry as well. But we just hope Chase Shores is okay. He's got a fabulous future in front of him. And uh, we pray that nothing is too bad for that young man. All right, next we had the South Carolina preview with my buddy A.J. Sessions as he breaks down all things Gamecocks coming up. Stay tuned. I hope you enjoy the preview. All right, so it's the SEC, and that means another top 10 matchup for LSU as they travel to Founders Park in Columbia, South Carolina to take on the sixth-ranked South Carolina Gamecocks. That may be a surprise to some of y'all. But if you caught my SEC preview uh, podcast and when I did the South Carolina preview, they were actually my dark horse to finish third in the SEC East. And they've gotten off to an amazing start as they are 8-1 and in SEC conference play. But let me welcome, welcome in the South Carolina expert here, here to break down everything you want to know about the Gamecocks is AJ Sessions. AJ, thanks for joining me, man. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks, thanks for having me. Yeah, man, you got it. Thank you for your time. And so, AJ, before we just start jumping into the series and breaking everything down, hitters, pitchers, key players for these LSU fans to know, why don't you tell everybody where they can find all of your content and what you're involved in? Uh, So I'm a writer for College Baseball Central. Um, We cover basically as much college baseball as we can across the country. Um, I specifically cover South Carolina and the Carolina-based schools. Um, We also have a show every Saturday morning called the weekend rotation where we recap Friday's action and then preview the rest of the weekend series. Uh, So come check us out. It's kind of like college game day, but for baseball. There you go. And uh, I can attest to that. Those guys do a great job. Uh, I had Mark Garland, who's also part of that collaboration with AJ. Uh, He did the PAC 12 preview for me this year. And then obviously y'all know Alex Day, who's a frequent contributor here at the 60 feet, six inches LSU podcast. He is the LSU fan based out of Austin. And Alex has uh, joined me on several things. All right, AJ, so let's get into it. So coming into the weekend, South Carolina, at the time of this recording, now there's games going on right now, as we mentioned, as we talked about off air, but uh, South Carolina's 26 and three with that eight one record in the SEC, having just took two out of three on the road in Starkville from Mississippi State. But already South Carolina has swept Georgia and Mizzou. When you look at LSU, LSU's 24 and four at the time of this recording, six and three in SEC play after having just taken two out of three games from Tennessee. As I mentioned, South Carolina's number six in the country. They were ranked number three in one poll, and LSU continues to remain the consensus number one team in the country. All right, so AJ, heading into the season, you know, I mentioned I had USC as my dark horse. I picked them to finish third behind uh, Tennessee and Florida. But what were your expectations for South Carolina heading into the 2023 season? Uh, my expectations as as a fan are slightly different than me as, you know, an analyst. As a fan, it was super regionals or bust. That was very much the vibe. 
we finally have a healthy pitching staff. And I think there was a lot of expectation of that's where the team is going to need to win is on the mound. There wasn't a lot expected from the hitters. Yes, we got some guys in from the portal, but those guys don't always turn out. You're not going to have very many Sonny Desheras coming in from smaller schools. And even the guys who transferred from bigger schools, if they got injury issues, there's no guarantee that those guys are going to produce. So it was, you know, pitching is going to win games. You're going to lean on our starters. And then, you know, I, I couldn't have imagined this start if I'm being perfectly honest. Um, I, I was hoping to win these first three series, but to sweep two of them and then win the third for me, that was, uh, that's the best possible start because the next stretch for South Carolina starting with this LSU series is really the meat of SEC play for them. Yeah. And I think you see that with a lot of the SEC East teams where they've kind of beaten up on um, some really bad SEC West competition and really LSU is kind of, really almost finished their toughest stretch when you look at A&M, Arkansas, and Tennessee. But obviously, you know, my fan base, all LSU fans here, just give them a quick synopsis of the South Carolina season really up until this point, maybe a little bit of non-conference, and then uh, who who they had a chance to play in SEC competition so far. Okay, so I guess starting out the year, we've rolled through some fairly weak non-conference opponents to open out the year. Um, UMass Lowell rolled through them. Penn Penn is a good team, but South Carolina just outclassed them. It was Penn's opening week, the second weekend, um, and it was just too much pitching, too much offense. Um, and then basically you couldn't stop the bats. You haven't been able to stop the South Carolina bats all year. They lead the nation in home runs, and that was something that's completely come out of the blue. Um, Will Sanders has been struggling a little bit. Um, he doesn't give up a lot of hits. But the ones he does give up are loud contact and being a fly ball pitcher, that means home runs. And so he hasn't been able to keep his ERA down. Um, he actually has the highest ERA on the team of pitchers who have at least 10 innings pitched, which is not what you would expect from a guy who has a you know, consensus first-round prospect. Yeah. Um, but the rest of the staff has been – absolutely dominant. Noah Hall has been dominant. Jack Mahoney working back from Tommy John has been fantastic. There's just really not been a weak spot to attack on South Carolina all year. Yeah. And let's, uh, you mentioned them a second ago, but that's one of the thing in preparing for your interview and then um, some of the other parts of the podcast and looking at South Carolina, let's talk about their hitters first. And you touched on it. You know, when I did the preview, I really focused on Braylon Wimmer. I liked him coming back a lot. Y'all shortstop. And then Caleb Denny was a transfer who I talked about. And I thought y'all had some experienced pieces coming back to surround those two guys. But, man, when I look at some of those numbers, I'll be honest, and you touched on it very briefly, but I want you to expand. I did not expect any of this. So let me just throw out some numbers for you, and then I'm going to let you really dive into those hitters. South Carolina, as you mentioned, they lead the country in home runs. They have 72. And obviously they lead the country in home runs per game. The hitters are third in the country in terms of walks. Fifth in the country in slugging percentage, fifth in the country in runs per game, seventh in the country in on-base percentage. And for the LSU fans, LSU is ahead of them in all those categories except for home runs. But needless to say, both these teams can swing it. So, AJ, if you could, man, talk about some of those hitters. And you touched on it, but really give uh, these LSU fans an idea of some of those surprises that you were talking about. And if you don't mention them, then I'll definitely mention them. But I'll let you – you're the expert here on that lineup. But why don't you talk about some of those guys that are swinging the sticks this year? 
Yeah. Well, you mentioned Braylon Wimmer and he's kind of locked in the leadoff spot right now. He's been great tip table set at the top of the lineup, you know, power speed combination, just deadly. He led off two of the three games at Mississippi state with the first pitch bomb oppo uh, just, you know, and then batting second, we got Gavin Casas who probably has the most power on the team. Um, I think he's up to either third. I think he's got 13 home runs so far this year. I got him. Uh, I got him. At, I got him at 15, 15, got him at 15. Sorry. I mixed him up with the other guy. Oh yeah. Um, you get to him in a second. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Gavin Casas and he's, you know, hitting for power and average. He's hitting over 300 does swing and miss a bit, but, when he barrels one up, you don't need to really watch the ball go. You just watch Gavin just stand at the plate and watch. I mean, he has been on fire. And then really the freshman phenom, Ethan Petrie, who's been, I don't think it's arguably, I think he's been the best freshman in baseball so far this year. He's no hitting in the 440s. He's got 13 home runs. And he wasn't even starting opening day. The only reason he got in a bat the first day was because South Carolina was run ruling um, UMass Lowell. And so they just got the freshman in that bat. And you know, you, don't, you can never expect that. You can never expect a freshman to come in and do what he's doing. And then you just have pieces who matured from last year. Cole Messina didn't have a home run last year. Um, yeah. Talmadge Lecord didn't have a home run last year. And both of those guys are getting on base at an absurd clip. Cole Messina is hitting for power and playing a great catcher. Um, Talmadge Lecroy, who is also a catcher, has learned third base to play third base and still keep his bat in the lineup. It, it is, it's been unreal. And then the outfield, the outfield's probably been where there's been the most turnover, and that's because we have some guys like Evan Stone and Dylan Brewer who have the tools and are just kind of cycling through who's getting hot, who's staying hot. Um, Caleb Denny's been going through a little bit of a funk. But there's a reason you mentioned him in the preseason preview of he's a good hitter. He's going to get it figured out. He's been clutch um, when he needs to be. And um, it's it's an experienced lineup. They see a lot of pitches. They're not going to help a pitcher out. Their strikeups, they're going to strike out a lot. But that's because they're going to work counts. And they're going to get three, two counts. They're going to work two strike counts. And they're not afraid to hit with two strikes. Yeah, that that that's uh, that actually sounds just like LSU this year. If I were to talk about their lineup, minus some of the power numbers, that's what they do as a team, right? They stick to a plan, they work counts, they try to get the starters out. And as we talked about the walks, one thing I did notice though is that South Carolina they have they walk a lot, but man, they strike out a ton. It's kind of that new that new regime of baseball, right, where they're going to hit a bunch of bombs, but they're going to strike out a lot, and they lead the SEC in terms of strikeouts as a team by a lot. Is that been an issue? Is that is that cause for concern for the South Carolina fan base, or hasn't really um, stuck its ugly head out as of yet? Uh, I think for a number of different reasons, you can probably say, depending on game to game, it hasn't been an issue. Um, you know, strength of competition. Anytime you hit you know, as many home runs as they do, you can afford to strike out a little bit. Um, but there have been some games and some times where it's frustrating as a fan to watch and be like, okay, we just need a ball put in play here. You know, yeah. it's, it's a one run game, you know, lead off double. I just get a guy over and instead you get a strikeout. And then, you know, if you get a lazy fly ball and you're like, okay, well that lazy fly ball would have been a sacrifice fly if the other guy just hit a ground ball to second base. So 
definitely some frustration there, but you know, when it comes down to it, um, and the example that I'm going to use is the Friday night game against Missouri. Um, they were down four runs in the ninth and then had one ball leave the infield and managed to just small ball, small ball their way to a walk-off win. And, and so it's, this team can knuckle down and have great at bats and, you know, not strike out. And when they need to, it's just, that's not their default. Gotcha. Now I've watched some cutups of South Carolina, you know, it's kind of a catching up on the weekends or on Mondays, just trying to pay attention to get to everybody's games, wherever I can find them. Now founders looks, it looks small. And I put out there the other day on Twitter, the dimensions, just because it may have been when y'all played Clemson, I swear it seemed like every other ball was flying out the ballpark. And it looked like they were playing in a high school field. Obviously they're not, but I was just, and maybe it was just that weekend or what, but I was like, good Lord, every ball is leaving the ballpark. It felt like, does it play? It's smaller than LSU, you know, but does it play really small? Kind of like Tennessee does at times or Alabama or, you know, how how does that play? So I I wouldn't say it's as bad as Tennessee. Um, You know, I've, I've watched, I went to the regional last year, um, Tennessee's regional, and watched some of those balls leave that leave that stadium. And there's just yeah. no reason some of those should have been home runs. <laughs> uh, but it's very much you get to the ballpark, and the first thing you do is you check the wind direction. Really? And if it's blowing out to right field, then you could soft toss a ball to yourself and hit one out opposite field to right field. It wow. it, it you it doesn't take much to get it out there. Um, you know, center field really unless it's blowing straight out to center. Um, but if you pull a ball and the wind's helping you at all, it's that, that ball travels. And they're kind of jet streams because of the batter's eye and because of the scoreboard, it, it kind of funnels towards left field a little bit. Yeah. Um, but definitely a hitter-friendly ballpark. It's a dangerous place to be a fly ball pitcher. No, <laughs> I'm, and I'm specifically thinking about uh, the series is Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So I'm thinking about Friday and Saturday specifically um skeins i'm okay with skeins good luck trying to hit him out and you're gonna you're gonna love i know you're going to the games you're gonna love watching paul pitch but um it's gonna be interesting you know they they could have some serious runs put up and lsu kind of needs to catch up in the home run race so you touched on some of the starters and i I know there's been some changes with the south carolina staff in terms of the weekend rotation that really started last weekend so why don't you give lsu fans kind of a synopsis of who you think is going to pitch thursday friday saturday and then after you do the weekend guys I kind of outlined some bullpen guys, but I'm really interested to see who you think will play a big role in the bullpen. And also, look, I think I have to I have to preface this for LSU fans. Do y'all have any lefties? You know, it's it's a, it's a thing with the fan base. I didn't see any lefties, or maybe one or two, and one Ooh. I think, like you said, is starting tonight for y'all. Yeah, we have we have two lefties. Um, okay. Really, really one that we'll put out there in big situations, and he'll come out of the bullpen. But there we go. Okay. Outside of that, we have another lefty who will eat up innings, but that's about it. All right, so who who are the weekend guys that the LSU fans should be on the lookout for and, uh, you know, that are going to lead the charge for South Carolina this weekend? So um, if you watched or if you kept up with South Carolina last week, you'll notice that Will Sander did not start last week. He was held out as kind of a mental reset, uh, nothing injury-wise, just mental reset. So he's probably going to go either Thursday or Friday. And that hesitation is because Noah Hall – who has been the number two starter all season, he's dealing with a little bit of a back issue. So if he goes, then he will go um, in his normal number two slot, which will be Friday because of the Thursday 
Friday, Saturday series. Um, but if he does not go, then I believe you will see Eli Jones, who started last week in Will Sanders' spot, throw game one, and then Will Sanders throw game two. And that way he can be on his no- normal Friday rotation. And then next weekend when we get back to Friday, Saturday, Sunday, okay. get to um, you know, a standard Friday and the week reset. Right. Um, and then you'll see Jack Mahoney on game three. Um, and those will be your starters. And then out of the bullpen, um, it's kind of just – they have so many weapons out there. It's hard to highlight a couple guys. Um, they've gone to Chris Veach in the clutch when they need him. Um, the freshman, Austin Williamson, has pitched some very big innings, um, especially in SEC play. He has pitched his way into a more pronounced role. Um, Matthew Becker, the lefty, the one who's throwing tonight as we speak, um, he will definitely throw some this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, Cade Austin, who is a, a, a SEC all-freshman last year, he's picking up exactly where he left off. Um, none of these guys are really going to blow you away, but the off-speed is plus, and, really? the mo- and they don't throw anything straight. And so there's no guy in that bullpen who is going to sit. I, I don't think there's a guy in the bullpen who will touch upper 90s, mm-hmm. but you're not, LSU isn't going to see anything straight unless you know someone throws a flat change up up in the zone or something interesting yeah because you know we just came off the tennessee series and you know they run dolander and y'all are going to face these guys too right? i don't have to tell you dolander burns and beam and those guys are all you know 95 to 98 with plus secondary stuff um and then in the bullpen you know y'all sound like south carolina does sound like they're just as deep as tennessee and lsu didn't really have a get in their bullpen because they had guys when they, those guys replaced the starters, they went three or four innings and kind of finished the game out. So mm-hmm. we didn't see a ton of their arms. And, uh, but obviously you'll have a bunch of throw out there in terms of the weekend guys though, when you look at Sanders or Hall, Mahoney, um, Jones, what, what kind of stuff do they offer? Obviously coming off the Tennessee series, can you give the LSU fans any type of preview, I guess maybe in terms of velocity or secondary stuff, you know, or plus type pitches, something they can be on the lookout for. Okay, so I, I'll start. I'll pretend it's going Sanders, Hall, Mahoney, and run okay. down like that. Um, Will Sanders, um, he'll sit 92 to 94. He can run it up to 96. Um, we saw him at 97 earlier on in the year, um, but I think that was just kind of an empty the tank early on kind of deal. Um, good changeup when he keeps it down, as with all changeups. Um, right. And slider is a weapon to righties. Um, he doesn't throw it much to lefties. Um, he prefers that change up. He will go right on right change up. Um, but only when he's had success with it early. Um, that fastball can get flat if he leaves it at the top of the zone, if he tries to throw too hard, which is why I think he's been sitting in the, you know, lower to mid nineties range as opposed to try to pump up that velo. Um, Noah Hall, he is, 94 to 96 um, with a devastating changeup. He is, it it is probably the best changeup I've seen on this team. Um, It's got velo, it's got movement and it's the exact same arm speed as his fastball. Um, He does have a curveball as well, just to, you know, keep hitters honest, keep them from, you know, keep lefties from leaning over, keep righties from, you know, sitting on a pitch coming into them, but it is, He's got very good stuff. Um, and then 
Mahoney, he is working on a changeup. Doesn't really um, have that established yet. He threw it very successfully last weekend, um, but that was the first weekend he's really had success with it. But he is 94 to 97. Um, two seam and it, it runs, it really runs. Um, he'll, he'll get great. He gets ground balls. He's the gotcha. one ground ball pitcher on that staff. Um, and then his slider is otherworldly. Um, so if he can mix pitches, then there aren't going to be many comfortable at bats on both sides of the field at founders this weekend. Interesting. Yeah. So it sounds like a lot of chase Burns esque sliders, which, uh, LSU saw a ton of. I mean, for the guy who throws 98 miles per hour, Burns throws like 65% sliders, which absolutely blew me away, you know, and sliders coming in there at 90. So LSU has definitely seen their fair share of right-handed sliders this year. Obviously, they're going to have to deal with some more. And, and that'll be an interesting matchup with Noah Hall and the changeup and the ability, it sounds like, to throw the changeup any count, probably mm-hmm. back it up. He'll back up changeups and then right on right changeup. So that could give LSU some issues, you know, um, maybe one, one and a half times to the order before they really get a handle on how good that is. Fielding percentage, LSU was atrocious last year. They're leading the country in fielding percentage. I looked up South Carolina's. They're 12th in the SEC at 974. Has that been an issue? Have y'all been snake bit? Is that a cause for concern coming into the weekend? It's mostly been that weird, you know, lack of focus at an end of a series okay. or okay. or that one, you know, one or two flute games where you look up and you have three errors. Um, there haven't really been errors in big moments. Okay. Um, so definitely, you know, I can remember quite a few plays that I wish we should have made. Um, but pitching has been able to minimize those. And a lot of them are, you know, allowing a guy on base instead of, you know, allowing you know, a drop fly ball. And then a guy's on second or guy steals second and you throw it in the center field. And then he's on third. Um, Not a lot of errors that compound. Um, So South Carolina has gotten away with it, but it definitely could, you know, can't give a team like LSU free outs. No. Yeah. They, they've done a really good job of scoring with two outs and then extending innings. I've really kind of focused on the podcast this year, just the ability to extend innings two out hitting, you know, to where they can string some things together. So starting to wrap up here with AJ Sessions, breaking down South Carolina here on the 60 Feet 6 Inches LSU podcast. All right, AJ. So in order for South Carolina to have success this weekend, or if I talk to you on uh, you know Sunday morning and South Carolina's taking two out of three, what, what do they need to do well for them to win this series, in your opinion? Uh, they will need to – they'll definitely still need to hit the long ball. Um, with LSU's pitching staff – you're not going to get a ton of good pitches to hit. Um, and if you do, they're going to be at high velocity or a lot of movement that just end up in the middle of the plate and need to capitalize on those few pitches you get and you need to drive them and do damage. Um, so capitalize on the bad pitches. Can't give LSU free outs. You yeah. cannot have um, errors, especially towards the you know bottom half of LSU's lineup where you get guys like, you know, Dylan Cruz and Dugas and those guys more at bats. You want to minimize their impact on the game as much as possible. Um, So South Carolina has to put themselves in a position where they can afford not to let Dylan Cruz pitch around them. Don't let Dylan Cruz beat you um, because he 
completely has that capability to do so. Um, and then just fill up the strike zone with competitive strikes, not laying change ups at the belt, yeah. but, but, you know, sticking to, you know, pitching to your strengths as opposed to the batter's weaknesses. I, I think that our pitching staffs of past years have been trying to, you know, okay, what's the scouting report to the hitters and channel there as opposed to guys now are just, where do I succeed as a pitcher? My stuff's better than the hitter and trusting it. Yeah. No doubt. It, it's going to be a great series. It's going to be interesting. Um, it looks like they may have some weather over there. So um, I, I'm hoping that they can get all the games in nine innings. I think if for some reason they have to go with two sevens. And I've kind of thought about that in, in the preview podcast. Um, if they have to go with two sevens. That's going to change the dynamic completely. Yeah, especially absolutely. from L- yeah, especially from LSU's perspective with regards to um, the third starter and then the pin. There's just some question marks um, in terms of who they roll out there. And obviously seven inning games really changes the dynamic. But AJ, I appreciate your time, but I can't let you get out of here without uh, giving me. I gotta, I gotta give, let you give me a prediction. What do you think is going to happen this weekend in Columbia? Uh, what do I think is going to happen? Um, I think we're going to see a surprisingly low scoring series between the two. Okay. I think the offenses are coming in both so much power, so much potential in both offenses. But I think for both pitching staffs, this is going to be a you know, kind of a, a nut up weekend for him. Um, <laughs> and, you know, Paul Skeen's going on the road against a team who's leading the nation in home runs. I think he wants to prove that he can shut them down. Um, I think you're going to see Will Sanders back trying to prove that he is a different pitcher than who he's been the start of the year. Um, I think it's going to be a very relatively low scoring series. Um, I, that this is my bias leaking through, but I think South Carolina is going to win two of three. Um, I it'll be tough to beat Skeens. Yeah. If you if you're going to win that game, I don't think you're going to beat him. I think you're going to beat the bullpen who comes in after him. Yeah, a la Arkansas, to where you just try to drag it out and you hold on, and in the eighth, you're looking at you know one to one or two to two type game. Now I hear you. It's um you're going to like watching him pitch, and. uh he, he gets jacked up. He feeds off that emotion. So I'm sure founders will be packed. Hopefully the weather will be good Thursday. And, uh, yeah, you're going to see some one-on-ones popping. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. But, AJ, I appreciate your time, man. I really appreciate the outstanding insight into South Carolina. For the viewers and listeners out there, I'll have all of AJ's stuff tagged on the Twitter account. Make sure to check him out at College Baseball Central on the Weekend Rotation Podcast. AJ, thanks for your time, man, and enjoy your time out there at the ballpark. Thank you. All right, y'all stay tuned for my predictions coming up next. All right, I hope you guys enjoyed AJ breaking down South Carolina. I thought he did an excellent job talking about the hitters, the ballpark, and the pitchers, and really a great scouting report for LSU fans on what to look for Thursday, Friday, Saturday from the Gamecocks as they are a top-10 team. They beat North Carolina tonight, so they are absolutely rolling as the top-ranked Tigers come into town, and I'm sure Founders Park will be absolutely slammed this weekend. Hopefully the weather doesn't cause too many problems. All right, let's get into it. What are my three keys for the weekend? South Carolina is the nation's leader in home runs. So my first key, the LSU pitching staff has to keep South Carolina's hitters in the yard, meaning those guys cannot go nuts this weekend and hit five to seven home runs in that park, in that crowd, and get those guys riled up. We talked with AJ about how that ballpark is small, 
how it plays uh, shorter than LSU's ballpark. Look, it's 325 down the lines, 390 in dead center, but kind of on the edges of center field, it's 380. So those alleys are going to play probably very short. And as AJ talked about, that wind could be gusting out to where just a pop-up gets out of right field. And who knows, some balls are probably going to go out of there that wouldn't go out of Alec Box Stadium. But the key for the pitchers, they have got to keep the ball down. If they do elevate, it has to be elevated with a purpose. You have to get the ball up around their letters or their hands. You cannot just let balls uh, sit in there and hitters counts, center cut fastballs, as they can elevate and get those balls out of the ballpark. The second key to the weekend is I really think LSU needs to have a big power weekend. They need to have a big bounce back weekend from a home run perspective. You know, last weekend was tough facing three future big league pitchers in Dolander, Burns, and Bean. But LSU handled those guys very well. But the Tigers only hit three home runs all weekend with two from Dugas and one from Neal. So I really look for Cruz, Tanks, Jones, and possibly Joe Bear or Pearson to get a couple this weekend and set the tone from the jump. As you can see tonight, Tanks and Jones got a head start on that. So I really want to see the Tigers' home run numbers increase. And I would imagine with the teams that LSU is getting ready to face in SEC play, and some of those teams have horrible team ERAs when you're talking about Auburn, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Georgia has another. They can hit, but they have a terrible team ERA. So I'd expect LSU's power numbers to go, go up as it gets hotter in Baton Rouge. We know the ball flies out the box. But this is a great weekend to where they could put seven, eight home runs and send a message to the rest of the country. Finally, my third key for the weekend. This is a little odd, but I think this could play a big factor in this weekend. How does the weather potentially affect the pitching staff on Friday and potentially Saturday night? I just looked at the forecast before recording this. Thursday looks great. I'm sure it's going to be packed for the skeins outing. Friday, about a 60 to 70% chance of rain. And then Saturday is like 90% chance. And obviously Sunday is Easter Sunday. Uh, hopefully they don't have to stay over and play that, but that's also like a 90% chance of rain. So they potentially move up the Saturday game to Friday and try to fit in a double header. And y'all may think it's just a little thing, but if they have to play two seven-inning games, that completely changes everything, especially from a pitching perspective. Think about it. You're going to start Floyd. Jay Johnson already said that. But if it's a seven-inning game on Friday night, then uh, or say Friday night's an issue, maybe they try to squeeze in two on Saturday. Then who do you start? Do you look at starting Garrett Edwards since you know he can go forward? He has been lights out this year. Um, do you look at starting Griffin Herring? I've mentioned that I, I can't wait to see him start in the SEC, but I'd rather be at home to where he's comfortable. He knows the mound, the crowd's on his side, as opposed to being on the road at the number six team in the country's home ballpark. So there's a lot of different things. You obviously could start Christian Little and give him two or three innings, and you have Garrett Edwards potentially to back him up. But I'm telling y'all, if weather plays an issue, I think that's really going to mess, not necessarily with the hitters, that's going to mess with the pitching rotation. And uh, Jay and Wes Johnson are going to have uh, really have to figure out some type of a plan because I'll tell you what, those games go by very quickly and one big inning can absolutely change the series. All right, who makes the get right, stay right list this weekend for me against South Carolina? First off, get right, Cade Beloso. Look. There's going to be a ton of right-handed pitching for the Gamecocks this weekend. We saw Beloso play last weekend. I think the old Creole Bambino could be a big part of LSU once again this weekend. Against the Vols, 
Cade was one for 12 as he played in all three games. Then he was, but if you go back before that, he was two for three versus Grambling in the midweek game with four RBIs as he hit a home run. And then he was four for seven in the Arkansas series. So when I did those numbers, that's not terrible at all. You know, all in all, it's seven for 22, which is hitting 318. So why are you saying get right? Well, that did surprise me, but I still think he's my choice because the Tennessee series, he did not look great, right? And I'm a huge fan of Cades. I think he brings a ton to the table. I like him as a leader on this team. He always seems like he finds a way to get on base, to drive and runs, just to do little things to help the team. And I think he's the perfect bridge, really, when he hits in that six hole between the top of the order and then the uh, bottom of the order to where he can potentially extend innings because we know he has power and he can hit the ball to all fields. So Cade Beloso, get right this weekend. Next up on the list is another left-handed hitter, JP, baby, Josh Pearson. So Pearson played in all three Arkansas games and two of the Tennessee games where he went a combined four for 19, which is 211. So not great. On the year, Pearson is hitting 255 with only one home run and 51 ABs. And it's been a little stop and go or stop and start for Pearson. It took him a little while to get in the lineup, then he got hot. You know, he just kind of can't find his groove, and he can't just seem to stick into the lineup. Once again, a ton of right-handed pitching for South Carolina this weekend. And just like Beloso, I think Pearson is a is really a great bookend guy for Jared Jones. If you think about putting Pearson at six, Jones in there, and then Beloso behind him, a great way to, to sandwich Jones in front of two guys, around two guys that can hit. And then, uh, obviously, you know, Pearson provides a veteran presence, even though he's only a sophomore. He had a great year last year, and he does a lot of little things, right? He gets hit a ton. He can take a walk. So, Pearson, I would love to see you get right this weekend in Columbia. Finally, on the get right list, Christian Little. Look, he did start tonight against Nichols. He threw well, but before that, you hadn't really seen him since that two-inning stint versus Grambling. He did not throw in the Tennessee weekend. And then obviously against Arkansas, it wasn't great. It was pretty shaky, right? A third of an inning pitch, three hits, four runs against Arkansas. And I just have a feeling that Little is due, right? He's ready to get back to his dominant self. Um, just a little bit of a stretch there where he wasn't all the way on. He was missing some of his pitches, kind of some bad luck thrown in there. But he's too talented. I think he has the right mentality. And I think this may be a weekend on the road in that hostile environment, environment to where Little feeds off that crowd. It gets him amped up and Christian Little has a chance to get right this weekend. So who's on the stay right side? For me, look, you got to switch up the choices. I can always say Skeen, stay right, Cruz, Tanks. I tell you all this all the time. So I try to always pick different guys. Look, I look at maybe somebody's bursting onto the scene or somebody who has just recently gotten hot again. And that's where the first guy on the stay right list comes in, and that is Trey Morgan. Trey is hitting over 400 in his last seven games, not counting the Nickel State game. And he absolutely went off the past two weekends. On the year, Morgan is hitting 327, only two home runs, but he only has nine strikeouts with 13 walks. And I saw a stat today on NCAA stats to where I think he is the hardest person to strike out in the SEC to where he only strikes out like one out of 11 ABs, which is uh, right around maybe good for top 50 in the country. But that was a really cool stat that I picked up on. And I predicted Morgan Look to hit double-digit home runs. I really thought he'd be around the four or five mark right now. He has plenty of time to make it up with some of the uh, not great pitching staffs that LSU is about to face. But we know that he provides amazing protection for Cruz. 
He can get hit. He can take a walk. He can hit the ball in the gaps all day long, all parts of the field. Trey Morgan, continue to stay right, baby. The second guy on this list, this a freshman left-handed pitcher, and Griffin Herring has been absolutely amazing his last two outings versus Arkansas. And then you saw him slam the door against Tennessee as he threw a scoreless eighth and ninth. Two innings pitched, four Ks for that young man against the Vols. So South Carolina is a heavy right-handed hitting lineup. But to me, this kid can get out lefties or righties. And I think he'll be uh, – I think you'll see him in the pen again this weekend. The caveat could be is if it's a seven-inning doubleheader, do you see Herring start maybe uh, the last game and try to get three innings out of him? Finally, on the stay right list, Ty Floyd. Now, I know what y'all are going to be saying. I know you're going to say, look, he should probably be on the get right list, Chris. We don't know how really how he's been. It definitely seems like Floyd splits opinion among the LSU fan base. But I think Floyd's going to stay right this weekend. Just hear me out. So on the year, Floyd has fabulous stats. You ready? 5-0, 2.87 ERA, a 164 batting average against, 36 Ks, 31 and a third innings pitched. But the number that really sticks out to me, and it could be a factor this weekend, Floyd has given up six home runs on the year. Founders Park is small, as we've already discussed multiple times. So Floyd kind of prone to give up the long ball, gave up three home runs against Tennessee, gave up another one against Arkansas. So Floyd just got to keep that fastball down in the zone. And look, when you look at his SEC numbers, they've been a little inconsistent. In SEC play, 4.91 ERA and 14 and two-thirds innings pitched, five walks, 15 Ks. But look, he has an explosive fastball. Everybody knows that. He has great rotation on the ball. He's going to sit 94 to 97 the whole game. He's got a good curveball, a good slider, and a good changeup. They're just not always working all at the same time. Obviously, he's most effective when he has some type of a secondary pitch, preferably some type of a breaking ball, really working. And it's not that he's just been scuffling a little bit, right? He hasn't had everything working all at once the last couple outings. So I think Ty Floyd stays right this weekend. I think he plays a massive role for the Tigers. And now, this is just me. Like, I threw with a ton of emotion. I didn't throw very hard, so I just had to do anything to get kind of get myself up and to try to trick these hitters. And Floyd is very stoic on the mound. And maybe that's just him. I know, Obviously, I know he's a massive competitor. Maybe he just doesn't like to show emotion on the mound, but I would love to see him throw just a little bit more emotion, maybe a little more piss and vinegar, maybe a little more Paul Skeens, like, ah, get out of here motion. You see it every now and then, but I would just love to see Floyd get pissed off for five innings and just him just absolutely shove against South Carolina. But they, that may not be him. I don't know the young man, but I still, I'm a massive Ty Floyd fan. All right, guys. Series prediction time as we wrap up on the South Carolina preview here on the 60 Feet 6 Inches LSU podcast. Now, look, I missed on my prediction last weekend as I chose to sweep. I know some people are like, how can you predict that? But look, sometimes crazy things happen in baseball. We had a chance. It just didn't work out for LSU on Saturday. This weekend, I've mentioned the weather. I think it could play a factor and could mess with the schedule. The good thing, though, I think is they have a ton of right-handed pitching. LSU hammers right-handed pitching. I know what AJ said in terms of these guys have very good stuff. They have a lot of movement. Guys coming out of the pen, they have a bunch of arms. You're not going to see the velocity that Tennessee brought to the table, but it sounds like all these guys have very good breaking balls or change-ups, and they will throw them at any point in the count. But not really – I can't think of hardly any right-handed pitchers besides, I guess, Iowa's kid when it was 35 in Austin that really held this LSU lineup down. 
And it's tough when they see you for the second time, much less a third time. So I just don't see South Carolina's pitching staff holding LSU down all weekend. Would a sweep versus the number six team in the country on the road be massive? Hell yes, that would be massive, but I can't go there. LSU's had the opportunity to sweep against AM, against Tennessee, and just couldn't get it done. And I just can't see myself pulling the trigger on the road. The only caveat, my only out is if they have a doubleheader on Friday or a doubleheader on Saturday with two seven-inning games. As I mentioned, one inning, one three-run outburst can turn that game around. Uh, man, coaches have a quicker hook to the pin, knowing they don't have as many innings to work around. They will pull guys in, uh, play situations, sack bunt, do different things they're not used to because the game absolutely flies by. So I could see a sweep or if LSU is leaving the ball up and South Carolina's going nuts and Founders Park and hitting bombs all over the place, LSU could find themselves on the end of a series loss, dropping two out of three games. But right now I'm going to stick with my Tigers. My long-winded answer to the prediction, LSU takes two out of three on the road and secures another top 10 series victory versus a very good South Carolina Gamecock baseball team. All right, y'all, that's going to do it for this week's 60 Feet, 6 Inches, LSU versus South Carolina preview pod as we went over a little bit of the Nickel State game in which LSU won tonight 12-2. to I want to thank AJ Sessions from College Baseball Central and the Weekend Rotation podcast for joining me. He did a great job giving you just a complete scouting report on everything that is South Carolina baseball, their hitters, their pitchers, why they've been so successful this season. And uh, if you haven't checked him out or haven't checked out the Weekend Rotation or College Baseball Central, I'll tag all their stuff in my post. Go check those guys out. They do a great job of giving you a preview of college baseball around the country. If you don't have time to sit there and watch clips or check every score, those guys do a great job Saturday mornings. Go check them out. Thank you all for tuning in. As always, reminder, subscribe to the YouTube channel so you miss any content. Follow me and interact with me on Twitter. I'm always trying to uh, send out replies when people tweet at me. And y'all know this podcast will be available on Google, Spotify, Apple, all the other major audio platforms. Next up, South Carolina Review Podcast. Now, look, Sunday is Easter. And depending on the schedule, I may try to squeeze in a live stream after the Saturday game, depending on the schedule. If not, it will just be a solo review podcast with yours truly releasing that on Sunday for y'all. Just stay tuned for details on the Twitter account. So until next time, y'all stay safe, and as always, go Tigers.